morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. I'm Kelly Sarlo. Welcome. Um, today, what are we covering? Um, today, we're going to talk about change. Okay. And um, those people who are willing to work to change and to grow, and those people who aren't. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, I think too, Kelly, like in relation to um, our clients who call or come to see us um, or use any method, FaceTime, Skype, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, and the difference between the people that um, want change in their life. Um, and I think each person that comes thinks that they do on some level or they wouldn't be booking an appointment. No, I, I disagree. Okay, go. And, and this is cool because all you've done is thrown out um, one word for our topic. So it's, it's fun because you can approach it from so many different directions. Um, so some of the first examples that come to mind are the, the people who come to, because they want to hear that they're right. They want to, they want all the Mm -hmm. affirmations that they're doing the right kind of parenting, the right kind of partnering, um, whatever, whatever role it is that they're seeking affirmations for. Um, and then the second example that comes to mind are, and and I'm, I'm going to pick on women here. Um, the several, several women who send their partners and say, fix him. Oh, yes. Right? They call and they book an appointment for their partner and they say, you know, sometimes when we've seen this before, they drop their partner off at the door and say, you have a one hour appointment and they're looking at us like, who are you? What am I, what do you do? What am I here for? Yeah. They they, have, they don't even know. Yeah. And And they think when they pick their, their uh, husband up that uh, they're going to be a changed person and we got it done for them in an hour. Yeah. That they'll have all these little tools and they'll be a different, different person and on the same page as her. (laughs) Not on, not on his life path, not what's good for him, but on her, on her page. Yeah. And sometimes what, what, what is good for him and, and maybe being stubborn or perhaps being, um, doing his own thing or being lazy is pushing her to recognize that the partner she's with might not be the right partner. Mm-hmm. But instead of not wanting to recognize that and having to do her own work of figuring out if it's it's something where she it's a deal breaker and she needs to leave and move on with her own life, she would rather not do that and have him be fixed. Mm-hmm. Which keeps her in control. And I mean, you can reverse this. So if, if you're in a partnership and it's the opposite way and you've got to exchange him and her, that's just fine. Or yeah, um, or her and her. Right, right. We're just talking about the majority of, of clients that we see and uh, the I'll say the gender spread. <laughs> um, so when you, when you say change, I think it's really neat because there's there's choice involved. And I think like you're saying, sometimes people think they're choosing change. I think some people are very aware of the fact that they have no desire or no intention to change, but hopefully the other person will. Um, yeah, I, I just find it fascinating the way people desire it or don't. Yeah, I find it really interesting when um, people want the partner to change, but they're not willing to do any of their own. And they pick a partner who's got the same attitude as them, that they want Mm -hmm. the person who sent them to do the changing, and they're not going to do anything. And the life path that they have together in presenting a mirror for each other so that they can see themselves. Mm -hmm. But not only will they not look at themselves, they won't look at their partner. So they're in a completely bubbled reality, um, but in a constant state of 
fighting mm-hmm. in a con or, or, or just ignoring doesn't have to be an outward fighting. It can be a withholding or, or an ignoring. Um, uh, and, and what that can do to the body, what that can do to depression. Um, I remember just about a week ago, a man came in and he said, uh, my wife sent me and I have a list of questions. Did she make them up or did he? She did. Yeah. And I said, well, don't, don't, don't tell me any of the questions. I don't want to see the list. Let's just see if I can go through the list without, you know, you saying anything. And I said, uh, is that accurate? She's depressed. And he said, yep. And I said, uh, the depression is the marriage. It, 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 and, and by marriage, I simply mean that I'm not blaming the institution of marriage. I'm not blaming the wedding day. No, the dynamics of the partners. Oh, I, but I'm saying this on purpose, Kelly. Yeah, I'm not blaming it. the white dress. I'm not blaming <sighs> the, the reception hall and the music and the diamond ring. Uh, all the things yeah, and people in the letter listening are laughing. I know they are mm-hmm. because I pointed something out that's truthful mm-hmm. and how many people can't go back to that day or that moment and put the responsibility back on that. They wanted something, they got it, but now they're looking at this person and going, but that's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So he's got to change. Mm-hmm. I think it's neat because we we desire we seem to desire change for other people, um, and I say we as a society, but change or, or true change is about self evaluation. And and I'm constantly saying this in in all of the life coaching that I do, is um, the only thing you're ever in control of is your own reaction and your own choices. And so if there's something that's rubbing you the wrong way, if there's something that isn't isn't working for you, that does take evaluation to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, where you're talking about that they won't even see their partners or themselves, you have to be able to be an observer of your own life. And I'll say come outside of the attachment of the emotion. Um, so just to be able to say, you know, this is what happened. This isn't what I wanted, or this isn't what I desire to continue. So... That's a matter of fact, right? Um, and some people would argue that emotions aren't fact, but it's observing what is, mm-hmm. right? It's not about a concrete evidence. It's simply observing this is an action that happened and it made me feel sad. Therefore, the action is something that I don't want to repeat again, mm-hmm. right? And the choice to either continually engage in, I'll say, behaviors mm-hmm. um, and thoughts that produce the same outcomes and feeling the very same emotion repetitively. Mm-hmm. Or to, um, to, to choose not to communicate that. So if it's an action that a partner is making or a child of yours is making, um, or a friend, insert whoever the person is, we have to communicate it. Mm-hmm. Because so often we don't even communicate what upsets us or what... Um, oh, he should know, shouldn't he? I, 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 it's I, love. It, yeah, I, I, he should just know. I hear this so many times from, and, and I'll say, um, it becomes quite the tangled mess because one person might think they should know, I shouldn't have to tell them they should love me. And if they love me, they would know this. Um, and if I have to tell them they don't love me and I can't face the fact that they don't love me, so I won't tell them and spin and spin and spin. (laughs) So if we come outside of that, and so they think if I send them, if I send this person to Karen or Kelly Sarlo, they hear people's thoughts and they do energy healing and they're going to fix all that for me. And then when my spouse comes back in the door, 
All my problems are going to be solved and I won't have to communicate. And my husband's going to come back telepathic. He should read my mind. And yet when we offer telepathic courses in our city, nobody shows up. I don't know if that's actually funny or not. <laughs> well, I'll call it irony. Yeah. And, and, and given the fact that I do hear people's thoughts, I'm allowed to think it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I can say that I've sat here in this life for 53 years and I've done some work. So, okay, here's, here's something cool. I, I consistently label my own thoughts cool. That's <laughs> just dawning on me. Um, that's good. Well, yeah, and because I get excited about them, right? Yeah. Um, that's kind of that meta-analysis that you can evaluate your own thoughts and be like, oh, yes. neat. Um, Which takes awareness. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, I want to talk about death. Because change and death are so closely related. So, and you and I have talked about this all the time, and actually I had a really good discussion about this at the station last night with a couple of my girlfriends. Um... Because one of them has come to see you as a client, and I know she wouldn't mind me saying this, but I'll leave her name out just in case. Um, She's come to see you, I think about a year and a half to two years ago, and um, she had several several things said throughout the session. Now, she was also an avid avid Ouija board kid. Oh, Uh, that's cool. Remember that? Well, I never played it, but I... Your mom mom had one. My mom had one. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I remember playing with that as a kid. So anyways, she was telling me that her and her sister had been playing with it when they were young. They asked it everything. Um, and the Ouija board had said that she was going to die at 34. And this, I mean, some people are clenching their butts right now and going, oh my God, why would you ask it that? Um, but everyone wants to in a, in a little kind of way. So we were at the table and I said to her, she goes, obviously they got that wrong. And, or I think a friend said that. And uh, this, this particular girlfriend said, well, no, I'm currently 34. Like there's still time for that Ouija board to be right. <laughs> and so we had a okay. good laugh, but, um, you know, one of the other girls kind of looked at me like, are you going to pipe in here? And I just said, well, you know, the thing is about death and you and I've discussed this so often is that it doesn't have to be a physical death. Right. And she's actually currently going through an official separation headed toward a divorce Mm, um, through mm -hmm. her own choosing because she wants to change and recognize that her husband did not want to. That wasn't working for her. She wants a different life for herself. And so because she's chosen to change, Mm -hmm. she gets to let or allows a piece of herself or a part of her life to Mm -hmm. die. Mm -hmm. And instead of having to take on a heart attack, because we were talking about what happens in the body, instead of having to take on a tumor or a different kind of ailment Mm -hmm. um, that can be absolutely debilitating, she chooses to let that aspect of herself die and live. Mm -hmm. I've done it, so I get that. And to be reborn. And I Mm -hmm. want to touch on this too, and I know we're jumping into dreams and all kinds of things, but it's all interrelated. Um, How many people do you hear say, I dreamt of being pregnant, holy shit, I'm screwed, I don't want another baby, Um, Mm -hmm. or I never wanted children, and we're like, holy, just take a breath. Dreaming of having a baby Mm -hmm. or holding a baby, it's about nurturing, it's about rebirth, and it's, you know, it would make total sense that this one woman would start dreaming about babies now, because she's being reborn. Mm -hmm. She's birthing herself into a new life. Mm -hmm. which might also be interspersed with nightmares Mm -hmm. and dreams of dying Mm -hmm. or 
situations where she's dying or being tortured or something, because it will feel, I'll say, sometimes torturous to go through that the process. separation. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Because yeah. of all of the insecurities of all of the unknowns. I mean, everyone I'm sure knows, uh, knows the doubt that goes through your mind if you're making that kind of decision or in the process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool how closely related death and change are. Yeah. To each other. And how the dreams can help people if they choose to, I'll say, learn about them, educate themselves. Uh, because some people will say they dream, they don't understand it, and they don't go further than saying, I don't understand, instead of maybe picking up books or seeing a therapist or somebody that's got gifts like us or um, Google. Now, just I'll, knowledge. I'll, just yeah, empowering and, themselves with knowledge. Yeah. From good resources, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going further with that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> No coffee yet, eh? No. Okay. Still early in the morning. Remember coffee with Sarlos? Yeah. We're waking up with you. <laughs> we are. And right now it's my first glass of water. <laughs> okay. So what else about change then? Um, well, I think, okay, on this topic, for a little while, that's, it seemed that's like... weird for you. Yes. It seemed that every person I was seeing... I was giving the message, your marriage is over. I was giving the message, and it wasn't my opinion, by the way. And it wasn't my that I'm a counselor and I'm advising. I'm not. I'm channeling. And there's a huge difference. But for whatever reason that people don't bother to educate themselves about this, um, someone decided, a lady in Timmins decided that she was going to call me a marriage breaker upper. Grammatically correct, too. I'm rolling my eyes. Okay. So a marriage breaker upper, and that wasn't a compliment. She was basically... I think it's a beautiful compliment. Well, she meant it It as a complete insult that don't go see her because she's just going to rip your marriage apart. She's just going to just totally make you have a divorce. First of all, nobody makes anybody have a divorce. Nobody. Not even an affair. Mm Mm-hmm. And those are, these are all choices. And some people will get angry at that and think, no, my husband never has an affair or my wife or my girlfriend. Well, I think because people feel cornered. Yes. Right? They feel cornered into, if this is a deal breaker, then this means I have to choose the divorce. Right. But they still forget that that's a choice. That's right. And that I'm certainly not putting it on them Mm -hmm. that, or the spirit world is in that, and even in that regard, if the spirit world comes through and their soul says that it's time to move forward, that's not supposed to be a bomb that's terrible. Most people already know. Mm -hmm. So first of all, when they're sitting there and their spirit is telling them, they already have an inner knowing to some degree. Now, some people, the odd person is totally shocked. And let's talk about that group that are totally shocked. Come on. Life is hard for some people. Yes. If you're totally shocked and didn't see it coming, then it's definitely over. Exactly. Because they are living in a bubbled reality that somebody has been colluding for them for a long time. So they don't have to face any responsibility for their part in that marriage no longer working. I want to argue. Go for it. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. I purposely want to say some things. Well, I know. But this because is... for some people that will be true. 
And then, of course, yeah. you will be able to defend on the other side of it for some people that aren't. Yeah. And, and we all know, let me finish for just a second. Hey. We all know where girlfriends will see it coming. Mm-hmm. And then I remember um, one woman when she was going through a divorce and her girlfriend picked her up at the door with a tea because her daughter called and uh, her best friend and said, could this, you go get this my- is how we're telling the story. This can you go get my mom? <laughs> and as soon as I said, or pardon me, oh, <laughs> I just gave that away. As soon as this person said, "I'm leaving my husband," she said, Thank "It's about God." Yes, it's about time. And by that I mean that I didn't see my own demise coming. Yeah, it's out there now. I didn't see the end of my own marriage coming. And that's why I'm speaking about this, because I was one of those people myself. I'm not picking on other people when I make these comments. But that other people, I had a group of people around me colluding my reality that I wanted to see a good marriage or a happy one or a happy family or a together family, but that everybody around me could see it wasn't functioning. And -hmm. that the biggest shock was to me. First, now I'm just saying in stages. So go on. Now, I, you, now, yeah, and you know we don't like interrupting each other, and this yeah. is a different kind of um, audio session. I know it's called a podcast, but you think about radio and how much they interrupt each other and the view and and mm-hmm. shows like this. So, I I kind of want to jump in at some point, but we're always respectful to let each other finish. So all I wanted to say on that was there is the other partner in relationships who is just absent. And they can have that, I'll call it a nagging partner, but I don't mean it in a mean way, who's saying, we need counseling, we need help, we need change, I need this. And there's there's all kinds of awareness brought forth, opportunity for change before the marriage ends. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. And I'm going to use you as an example, mm-hmm. because I, I beg to differ that you weren't really shocked. No, I mean at the first stage. Then I went into the second stage of what you're talking about, where... I sought help in books. Go on. I'm, I'm still going to argue that. And I don't think the shock came from my marriage is actually that it's over. I think you were shocked at the fact that you made the decision for yourself. That's true. Because if you, and we've said this for years, if he had bothered to look at the bookshelf, he would have known the marriage was over and that you were working your way to get out um, and true. seeking that counseling. So I think the shock came from you actually making the decision. Now, the point I wanted to make, because I I know that there is still some truth that some people will be shocked that their marriage is over, but the person that's absent, and even though they have all of the nagging stuff and all of the, we need to change, we need help, you know, our routines need to be different, um, they continue to be absent. And then when someone like you makes that decision and finally says, yeah, I'm done, they are shocked. Mm-hmm. They didn't know it was over. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it's a special kind of unintelligence. Mm-hmm. But I think there, I, like, it's, I, and I would like to argue that point that they can't be shocked because the books are on the table, yes. that they have to be avoiding. Well, and that's, that's okay. Yes. And I, and I think we're all, we're always going to come back to the same. Oh yeah. The same page it's just a conversation. Yeah. Um, the, I'll say the fake shock. <laughs> Yeah, it has to be. It ha- and and so we're talking about the denial. Yeah. And that I'm going to be shocked because I stayed in my denial. Mm-hmm. But if 6 months down the road or 6 years down the road they go, "Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could see that coming." 
I'm going to say that that's the ego mm-hmm. that keeps us in a certain place <clears throat> so that we don't have to do the changing. Right. So that we can avoid doing the work on any level. And I kind of want to... Which ultimately, as we both know, gives them control. Right. And it, I'm, usually the marriages are, are about control, right? Right. And I don't say that meanly about marriage. That's That's partnerships. Our dynamics between human beings are always about control. Mm-hmm. And there is a healthy kind and an, un- an unhealthy kind. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly, can I throw in here, and I think we do this a lot when we do our, any of our public speaking and stuff, that we can interchange a marriage with a job. Absolutely. That's why I said human dynamics. Yeah. And and I, I just caught that and wanted to kind of say to people what we mean by human dynamics in mm-hmm. case they just don't. <laughs> oh, there we go. We'll just pause for a second. Okay, sorry for that break. Um, we, we're back. So I think there's so much confusion for a lot of people because they'll say, well, it's just easier if I stay. And, and I always beg to differ because I think people don't understand the difference between familiar and easy. Mm-hmm. And what's familiar is what you know how to function in, no matter how dysfunctional it is, right? Mm-hmm. So you can be in an abusive relationship and know what sets the person off, what, what calms them down, um, you know, you can predict all of their moods because you've been there for so many years and know their patterns and you know how to skirt around every, every different emotion that they're going to throw at you. That's, that's familiar. That's not easy. That takes a tremendous amount of work. Uh, I'll say in brain power to be able to watch and observe all of these different behaviors. And it takes a tremendous amount of effort, um, physically to have the energy to do all of that. And so when people say it's just easier to stay, I say, no, it's familiar. That's not comfort. That, that's just knowing your part, knowing your role. You've fallen into a role that has become familiar. Mm-hmm. And what we always illustrate in our workshops or whatever you want to call them is it takes work to stay and it takes work to leave. And you've got to figure out where you want to put that energy and what your, what your bottom line is. Well, what your goal is for your life and for your health. Well, to me, that's, to me, that's bottom line, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. in the big picture, what is it that matters? And for most people, you know, you all, I always ask people what they want to feel and they say happy and it's like, okay, are you happy? No. <laughs> well then it's that Einstein quote. Are you going to repeat doing, you're going to do what you've been doing and getting the same results? Or are you going to step outside and try something new? It's like, well, it's just easier this way. And it's mm-hmm. just this, this cycle of, I don't want to change. And that's the victim, mm-hmm. the archetype of wanting to be a victim. A martyr. Uh, um, yep. So that you can be the one that people feel sorry for. Sometimes for some people, it gets them their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's what's, as you say, familiar to talk about. So it's something that they can talk about that they know. And I'll say somewhat that they're an expert on. Yeah. That they're unhappy about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know that um, they need those friends to collude that reality then. So you need to keep friends that are doing the same thing because other people will walk away from that friendship eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that want to change and want and do the changing, do their work, they don't want to en- end up hanging around. Um, and, and that can be not just friends, but your own family members. 
that um, get tired, I'll say, because you don't just drain your own energy when you stay in those unhealthy jobs or relationships. You drain the energy of the people around you, mm-hmm. of your children, of your dog, of, and I'm, and I'm serious when I say your dog. I know you're serious. We've lost a dog. Yeah. We, uh, we had one of our first dogs who absorbed all of our family crap. Yeah. So, um, th- and, and somebody might, you know, Kelly, like that's a whole other topic is, mm-hmm. and we can certainly go into that too. <clears throat> I, I do want to do a, a, a show about that. Sure. We can follow up this one with that if you want. Um, but just the fact that, um, of people coming and wanting to hear their messages, but that it's always the choice if this is going to be a marriage breaker upper, a job breaker upper, um, a family breaker upper, you know, between siblings or what, or, or a friend breaker upper kind of a thing. But what I would say is that in order for change to occur, something does have to break. Mm-hmm. That, and I call it the egg cracking. Something does have to crack. And then there is that journey of having to birth and get out of that egg, meaning that you do have to do the work to do it. And like you said earlier, you have to put your energy somewhere. You only have a jar of energy for every day or whatever you want to call it. And the how you expend that energy in a day um, on the physical things your body has to do, like brushing your teeth and, you know, uh, eating, walking, all of the things that you have to do. But the amount of energy that we spend uh, in our brain, mm-hmm. in, in where we put our thoughts, it, it saps the body. Mm-hmm. And this is really cool. And I, I want to use you as an example. And I always actually do use you as an example. Because um, some people will say, well, it's so exhausting to go through the process of divorce. It would be so exhausting to quit the job. To Yes, all of this. And so I think about um, when I watched you first leave. Um, and, and in your process, because you, sorry, I want to draw some parallels here. When you were talking about the jar, when we only have so much energy in a jar for the day. It also matters how you're filling it back up. That jar doesn't just get replenished because you wake up in a new day. Mm-hmm. It, it gets replenished by how you self-love, how you self-soothe, um, how you contribute to those, those positive feelings. And I watched you absolutely exhausted leaving your marriage, but each day you found something that contributed to replenishing you. So when you, when you chose to, you know, you, you had agreed to be in, in, keep the house, um, you got up every day with anxiety, with pure exhaustion, threw on your running shoes and went for a power walk mm-hmm. and you walked until I lost, you lost the anxiety. I lost the anxiety. And with the anxiety, I lost 35 pounds. Yes. And so, and, and it's not necessarily always about the weight because I think people will latch onto that because we're, we're so weight oriented here, um, in, in the Western world, but you walked until you actually saw the trees. I remember you talking about this. I, you got up and walked with anxiety first, but you walked until you saw the sky, until mm-hmm. until you came outside of your own thoughts of anxiety mm-hmm. and was able to see what was around you, was able to be thankful for the beautiful summer morning, the, the mm-hmm. cup of coffee at the end. You walked until you had that feeling. I walked, yeah, Kelly, you hit the nail on the head. I walked till my feeling changed. Yes. And I remember sometimes it took four kilometers, sometimes it took six, sometimes it took two. But I didn't walk to lose weight or to walk to hit certain kilometers. Mm-hmm. I walked until my feelings changed. And I'm going to throw this in there too, because I think people, th- you know, some people say, well, I hate walking. I don't want to do that. Well, find your version. Mm-hmm. You know, if, it, if it's getting on a bike, 
get on a bike, go, well, go everywhere. But another thing that you had done, and I, I highly encourage this with people when I'm, when I'm coaching them is the music. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember making a dance list for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you putting on your, your iPod or bringing your iPhone with you. And it was all of the feel good beats because you love to move. And so, yep, you got up and walked with anxiety, but eventually the words in the songs or the beats in the songs started to contribute to changing those feelings and changing those thoughts. thoughts. Mm -hmm. Because you were thinking about dancing. You were thinking about being free, having the movement that dance allows. Mm -hmm. Right. And so two things at once you were doing for yourself in terms of a self-love activity, mm-hmm. music and walking, mm-hmm. right? And and the results were ridiculously great. You just said you lost 35 pounds and that you filled that jar of energy and in, in a really beautiful way mm-hmm. where I think people think they're just constantly drained when they're making a change. Um, but I also watched you eat better, mm-hmm. right? So if I was going to wake up exhausted because I didn't sleep well because of anxiety, then I better feed my body properly. Mm-hmm. And so everything snowballed and I think people think snowball is a bad thing but it's we're just talking about momentum Mm -hmm. domino right and and that can be a really beautiful thing so all of your behaviors started changing because of what you desired yeah exactly I had my mind on a goal and as you said the goal what the goal was was change because I knew I didn't know how to change a lot of people come to see me and say, how am I going to change? What do you see in my future? And they want me to give them that particular goal. That, and, and this is what I hear all the time. I, oh, I know I have to leave. Or my husband's passed or my wife has passed or my girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. It can be a marriage ending or a death mm-hmm. that sometimes I'll say forces us into a change yeah. and to grieve um, and to feel emotions. Now, Having said that, some people still shove it down and don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything, as you said, snowballed and changed. But my mind was on a goal. And the goal was, I need to be different. Keep going. There were other ones. I, yeah, you, you keep I know. going, though. I and know I, you can keep adding because you you remember more than me. <laughs> Which is <laughs> good reason. Oh, it's so true. Um, I would say that that was probably your thought later on. Mm-hmm. Because I vividly remember you're one of your best friends at the time saying that you're only allowed to make one decision a day. Oh, yes. One decision a day. Lisa. Yeah. And that was remarkable because you're, you were under so much stress. And I know tons of people will relate to this. Um, so much stress that making one decision was difficult. Can I just say that what that's a little bit about what that stress was in, in making and choosing to change? I accepted the stress of finan- being financially independent when I left. I was making around seven thousand um, a year. A year. Um, thank so you. Because yeah. some people would have thought a month. No. She's doing great. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> below poverty line. Yeah, that I I wasn't looking to be supported by my spouse. I was looking to be in- financially independent. Um, I didn't have a vehicle because I couldn't afford one. Um, so how you get around? Uh, my son was adult son was going to be living with me. So I was going to be supporting another adult, a dog um, that in in splitting up, I had to create a career because I was self-employed um, trying to use my gifts at the beginning of all of this when they were just starting to open up. Uh, would anybody believe me if I said I was a medical intuitive or a psychic or whatever reputation in a small little city? 
um, where people, I'll say somewhat know, not everybody would ever know who I am. Um, friendships dying, family members choosing sides in a divorce that shocked me. Really? Well, yeah, to okay. some degree uh, and caused pain. Mm-hmm. Um, loss. So I'll say loss of family, loss of friends, um, change of my physical body that came with all of this. Um, everything. Like I say, the financial burden, the emotional burden, and part of the emotional burden in that when you leave a codependent relationship, I now have to make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. Because in the partnership, um, when you're codependent, I was always leaning on somebody else making a lot of the decisions. And now 100% of them are on me. Mm-hmm. So being able to be responsible, if the decisions work out well, woohoo, and if they don't, what can I learn? How do I change? How do I grow? How do I make them better? What kind of tools do I need? Where do I go to get these tools? Can somebody help me with them? All of that. Mm-hmm. Which was fun. Which I think, and I pause and I think, but wait, I'm not going to say just fun. That's one word. Scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, produced anxiety and panic attacks. Um made me sit in I remember writing lists of fears yeah and see this is the thing is because anyone who knows you now will think oh that must have been a breeze she's so strong she's so she's so Karen huh. <laughs> um and I, I know that's the way I see you but I do remember those times where you're talking about the being in the codependency and being terrified of of every next step um, and I think it's important that people know it's not just, a, it's, it takes a strong person to leave, but you don't necessarily feel or look it at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's just about a conscious decision in each moment. So when I was talking about you doing self-love activities, it didn't look like going out and taking a class or taking a trip or all these things that all the big things that our Western world says we deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, it was choosing to eat fruits and vegetables. It was choosing to put on your running shoes instead of mm-hmm. laying in bed. It was it was all the things to take care of the self, to nurture the self. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you point out the vacations. <clears throat> oh my God. And that you point out the things that our society tells us what we deserve to do. And that huge concept, mm-hmm. I'll just say concept, um, of, of what we deserve that can sometimes turn into, I'll say, some good things for some people, but for some people selfish. Or for me, in a situation where you're not financially independent, bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Because it means running up a visa bill to do mm-hmm. some of the things I think I deserve. Yeah. And that the choice would be to run up a visa bill and then not be able to support myself. Mm-hmm. Versus being able to say, in the process of change, um, there is responsibility and healthy decisions. And I'll say smart ones that don't always reflect well with society's idea of a smart decision. Mm-hmm. But me being able to say, screw their, their idea of it, um, my reality says something different. And where people can't sit in their own reality versus uh, the colluded reality that society wants to say, this is what you should be well, doing. And I think people don't want to sit... <clears throat> In, in that reality because of discomfort and that was another point I wanted to make is that your process was not comfortable and mm-hmm. this is going back to familiar versus comfortable right versus right. easy um where it is a tremendous amount of discomfort and some might say well yeah but you just said she got into her running shoes and powered through the discomfort 
but you had to be in it to oh. a certain extent. You could have laid yeah. in bed and did nothing and stayed in discomfort forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could be in the discomfort and the anxiety in your running shoes in the sun. And like you said, moving, moving through it, feeling it, observing it, being aware of it mm-hmm. until you come out the other side. And, and this is where I wanted to point out earlier when people come to see us as psychics and they say they know their relationship is over, whatever it is. And their very first question is, um, if I leave, if I leave blank, this job, this partner, will I have another job? Will I have another man? When? Mm-hmm. So they don't want to be able to take the time in between. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll say, and I mean, lots of people are single for years. So I mean, I'm also speaking to the fact that some people are thrown into it and then figure it out. But some people can be single for 10 years and go through 20 or 30 relationships in that time. I'm not judging the lessons that they're getting in that. I'm just saying that, um, change, as you've said, change is uncomfortable. And that, that discomfort means we have to be able to sit with our thoughts and be aware of them and decide if they're good or not good. And I think so many people aren't still enough, long enough to just say, I'm not comfortable with what I think. Yeah. And, and I would also, I would also add to that, that some people, I'm thinking of one person in particular who, um, would say that they are doing this. They are sitting with their own thoughts. They are observing everything. Um, but not even recognizing that they don't have the right tools Mm -hmm. within themselves to evaluate properly, to Mm -hmm. see themselves clearly, to, um, to understand what changes need to be made and they seek the wrong kind of counseling. And when I say that, I'm not just referring to psychologists, I'm referring to anyone whose advice you seek or whose, oh, whose counsel you the, seek. Your friend, your mom, anybody. Yeah, because, and that's why I talk about collusion. Because if you're seeking the wrong advice, the adv- advice from the wrong person, they can collude your reality. So instead of telling you the truth whether no matter your reaction to it or not, they have a vested interest in keeping you in the relationship with them. So they will say whatever they need to, to keep the relationship intact. That's colluding your reality. Instead of being able to, and that's why people come and see us because they, they want to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, because their friends or whoever's around them is colluding the reality. Now, not always. I often have two people come in a session and I can say to the mom, oh, I, your spirit guides are saying that you're unhappy. And no, no, I'm happy. And the daughter looks at me and goes, no, she's not happy. Mm-hmm. And the mom sits there and goes, yeah, she's right. I'm not. So they, 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 they know it. Uh, as you say, some of them know it, some of them deny it, and some of them don't know it. Mm-hmm. And we need people in our life that aren't going to collude our reality for us at the, to, the, to the benefit of their own selves to keep us in the relationship with them, which is a power over situation, instead of seeking a neutral relationship, because we don't sit in power over. Mm-hmm. Is that a good way of wording that? Yeah. And I, I know we've been referred to you in a lot of different ways. So, and I've said it myself, this is going to be a butt kicking, but it's going to be with love. Yes. Um, and it's just, it's simply to be able to call them out, whether it's on their own behaviors or the behaviors that they're tolerating in others. Right. Right. Which again, goes back to their own choice. Yes. Um, it, which is interesting, Kelly. I really think when you say that it's phenomenal, 
just in the sense, it makes total sense, but so many people don't hear it. If you're in a relationship and you're not happy, you're not happy with how the other person is treating you because of the way you feel, then there is something wrong right there. Mm -hmm. And so without, when you come to see somebody like us, we get to pinpoint those behaviors because sometimes people get so used to them that they don't see them anymore. Uh Or they don't think they're that bad because, well, that's how mom and dad treated me. So they don't know any other reality. Uh Or we watch that on those reality shows on TV. They're 10 times worse. The Oh, the way so-and-so is on this show is he's way worse, Uh you know. And so they justify their unhappiness so that they don't have to deal with it. Whereas they don't have to do the changing where we sit here and say, no, here's your bottom line. And I remember one of the things you saying to me um, was two things. And we've talked about them before, but I'm bringing it up again. Where where my bottom line is or my line in the sand, Mm -hmm. meaning my boundary, which when you're codependent, it's always being moved back and forth by the other person and you. You both got your hand on that little line saying I'm going to tolerate and sometimes the other person's pushing it. I don't and see I don't think they have a hand in it. Well, I mean by 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 the fact that if you're still there you're giving them consent to move your line. That's on you though. That's why I'm saying that's not the, them. Okay. They'll walk over the boundary and look at it's like kids. They okay, we're saying the same thing I think in just different ways. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. You make your point though. It's good. Well, just when you're saying that you, both of you move the line, I'm saying no you don't. I'm saying the person who decides what your deal breaker is, which is only you, is the only one who can move that line. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. When you you think of a little kid who touches something, goes somewhere, and the parent's saying, no, no, and they look back at you like, well, are you going to get me in trouble? Because if not, I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. They're they're testing the boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. They don't actually move the line. You go, okay, I'm going to accept this. I'm not going to discipline. Right. That's all. And and I say that because we're talking about choice Mm -hmm. and it goes back to the only person in control is you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the fact that if you're allowing somebody else to behave in different ways, you've let them move your line Mm -hmm. and that you have to take back your power because when you do that, you think they have the power over you. Mm -hmm. So you think they're holding that. Right. You help me word it better. It's victim. Right? Totally victim. What you're talking, if you're going to say that someone else is moving your line, you're just saying, I'm a victim. I can't hold it myself. Right. Yeah. This is their fault, not me. Fix them, mm-hmm. not me. Okay. So you were talking about two things, and it, one of them was I asked you about where your line was and how often you were going to keep moving it. And by when? Giving the date. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, make, and holding, being accountable to that date that time, but something tangible because we're human beings and we need something that's tangible. And someone to check in. Yep. Let's keep going. We're giving structures and strategy tools in the toolbox for change, for change. Mm-hmm. Writing it down. I remember writing everything down, um, checking in with people, having people, allowing them to be your people. Yes, and not shooting the messenger. Yeah. Oh my God! If I have not been shot a thousand times, I look—I should look like a. Um, oh, I was going to say those vases with all the holes in them, and what? Oh, I couldn't think of a good one. <laughs> Go get coffee. <laughs> You're going to shortly. Um, 
Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. So I understand being, sh being, um, shooting the messenger when I'm the professional and I understand that. Um, but also in friendships where I've been shot as the messenger by being a good friend, not just being a psychic, but being a good friend and being able to tell somebody the truth and them not wanting to hear the truth. So they just drop the friendship, no phone calls, no nothing, just drop it cold. Mm -hmm. um, no confrontation, uh, which I'm good at, which I'm a, a, a good listener in being able to say, okay, and, and understanding why a friendship is ending if, if mm -hmm. I'm holding them accountable and they don't want to be. But that's part of the whole thing of walking away and avoiding somebody is that you don't want to be accountable. Go on. Mm. Yeah, it, just, it touched on a nerve. Okay. Because I think, yes, walking away and avoiding someone, that can, can be an unhealthy situation. Mm -hmm. But I know several times in my life I'd have had to walk away and avoid contact because it was that over. And the only kind of contact that that person would be asking of me by returning to the relationship would be confrontation, would be to fight, not to listen, not to understand. And so at, at one point, walking away is necessary and, sh and cutting off contact became necessary. Okay, but that wasn't the situation that I was talking about no, in I understand shooting that. the messenger. I understand yeah, that. Good. However... You and I go back and forth and we illustrate all different kinds of things, right? Because for some for some people who, um, I'll say, have been the messenger and have been shot in that process, they're going to go, well, I did walk away and I didn't contact that person and I didn't explain anything. Did I do the wrong thing? And that's where I want to be able to step in and say, no, no. At some point, you have to evaluate whether or not speaking up is actually going to be a waste of your breath and a waste of your time. Mm -hmm. Because that other person just wants the control back mm -hmm. um, and, and whether or not that's a healthy decision for you. And I think when it's done with the right intention and understanding when to mm -hmm. cut your loss, mm -hmm. that, that that can be a wonderful act of self-love. Totally agree. <laughs> and now we're going to go get coffee. <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll see you shortly. Bye-bye. <laughs>